In a world that pushes us to extremes, we must decide what is worth fighting for, and we got to ask the question, how is Jesus calling us to follow him? So here at Tallgrass at the Well, this is what we're up to this fall, uh, building community together by inviting people into the way of Jesus. So if you can just remember that, that's what we're up to in the fall. We're building community together by inviting people into the way of Jesus. Now that's a difficult task for a couple reasons. Uh, first, the world is and feels divided. Does, does anyone feel that? Feel the division that we're experiencing in the world? And there's also confusion about what the way of Jesus is. So we're going to explore both of those themes throughout the fall. So we do live in polarized times. And some of you say, no, we don't live in polarized times. That's case in point. The world is divided in two types of people. Those who divide the world in two groups of people and those who do not. Right? Okay. So there's competing factions on multiple issues. Um, and I think, you know, as we talk here, you can, you can just all sorts of ideas might come to mind and, and ways in which that you experience factions. At least we're all settled that Kansas State football is amazing, right? Of course, there's some KU fans out there, so even that's not a safe bet. I heard someone try to cheer, but I just kept talking, talking over them. Um, we have already settled some debates here at Tallgrass at the Well. We've, we've addressed Twizzlers or Red Vines. Surely there's a third way, an alternative, Snickers or Reese's, right? No red 40. We don't need that in our kids' blood system. I just triggered some of you guys with that. Ford or Chevy? Surely there's a third way. Tesla or a bicycle? Better yet. <laughs> Star Wars or Star Trek? Some of you are leaning, beginning to lean forward. Marvel or DC? I don't know. <laughs> hey. Yes, any one of these, I'm sure we could have a rousing conversation and, and solidify the, the final answer. Uh, or we've discussed this morning already, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. Let's start to raise the heat just a little. How you slice your sandwich and why. iPhone or Android. There's always that one person who's not yet converted to iPhone, right? When you have that group text. <laughs> I have been convinced the debate should be over. Thus saith myself. This one maybe doesn't resonate, but I couldn't resist putting it up here. How you set up your Wi-Fi. So some people come up with some cute ones. Tell my Wi-Fi I love her. Or uh, Bill Wi-Fi, or Bill Y the Science-Fi. So yeah, some people just go with uh, whatever is spit out at you. It gets a little bit more serious here. Coke or Pepsi. Now, thankfully, the pizza with the pastors already settled that debate. I saw a Coca-Cola bottle in there. This one's not even a discussion. Coca-Cola far surpasses Pepsi. Uh, some of y'all leaving the church now. Sorry. <laughs> Give us a chance, please. Tea or coffee? Oop, boop, boop, boop. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to raise the heat too quick. Tea or coffee? Again, easy, easy answer. The answer is? Coffee. Yes. We're at the right place. Although some of us need to switch to tea rather quickly, I'd say. Uh, probably the most uh, difficult uh, uh, polarizing issue we face here at Tallgrass at the Well is actually 
dimly lit room or brightly lit gym. We've had a little bit of discussion around that. We could argue both ways. You know, in a dimly lit room, you're more free to worship and the setting is a little bit nicer. In a, in a brightly lit room, you can see who you're worshiping with and you can see your notes a little bit better and see to write notes. All of these things, you know, we've kind of worked through that. Actually, Dave Geldar and Edward Tuttle, who's not here, have worked hard. They're tweaking the lights. They're doing a great job. Give it up for them. They're, they're on top of things. Okay, let's raise the heat slightly. Yes, I actually researched this way more than I should have this Sunday when preparing this talk. I'm, I'm a toilet paper over kind of guy. And first of all, only if you have a cat or dog who's playing with the toilet paper or you're driving an RV where it might start rolling, those are the only people that need to mess with an under thing. In fact, if, we, if everyone did over uh, paper, uh, toilet paper method, we probably would have beaten COVID by now because there's all sorts of spreading of germs on the surface when you have to reach back. Actually, I researched that. It's true. So if you want to save lives, we need to make sure, flip that toilet paper around. Okay? We're really, we, finally, we can agree on something. Can you feel the heat rising slightly? I saw Dave uh, uh, came over here and turned the, the AC down just a little. Yeah. So, so we got Braun or MJ. I'm going to do my best so to, to not convey my opinion on this matter or, or the next matter that we'll, t- we'll cover. So we got a four for 10 versus six for six. Same stat, same data point. We can argue it both ways, right? This guy never lost in the finals. This guy also lost in the first round multiple times, right? This guy went to 10 finals. We're arguing the same stats coming to different conclusions. No retirement. This guy is the workhorse. He kept going. This guy had to retire and go play another sport that he was mediocre at and then come back. Same data. We can argue up and down, but who's going to decide who's right in this polarizing issue? I've got all these stats and more stats to come from. Uh, You know, LeBron's going to far surpass Jordan in most every stat line. Did you guys realize that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we can debate, but, you know, give him a couple more years. I don't know if the debate's going to continue, right? But some of you say, well, I I grew up and I I loved MJ. So you already have a presupposition. It doesn't matter how many stats I throw at you. You've already made a conclusion based on your upbringing or some sort of anecdotal evidence about a friend who met MJ and he's like the best guy ever. Well, I have a friend who met LeBron and he's the best guy ever. How are we gonna get to the bottom of this solution or this this issue? Okay, that actually, that doesn't raise the heat too much in here because most people that I've met in Manhattan don't care about the NBA, certainly don't care about LeBron. Um, so, you know, the most controversial things I post on Facebook, by the way, is supporting LeBron as the GOAT. And without fail, I get roasted, and it actually hurts my feelings. People don't realize that. I got more skin in the game than other people, I guess, on this one. I care more deeply about it. So before you go roasting me, why don't you speak to my loss? You know, my hurt and pain, my story, before you address that issue. 
So there's, there's all sorts of controversial issues, and there's all sorts of them within the church. And I'll rattle off a few of those controversies, and if you don't know, have a clue what they are, that's fine. Don't even look them up. Don't even worry about them. We got Calvinism or Arminianism. We got dispensational premillennialism or historic premillennialism or amillennialism or postmillennialism. We got all sorts of debates and controversies, everything in between. We got some panmillennialists who are like, in the end, it all pans out, right? Thing is, there's, we're not going to get any conclusive evidence. It doesn't actually impact us that deeply until Jesus comes back, right? So let's raise the heat just a little more to flesh out how we together might uh, go after controversial issues within the church. What about this one? Oops. Someone else clicking the button because I have a clicker here too. Old earth versus young earth. As Josh said, when uh, Pastor Josh of the Well, when we were talking about this sermon series, he said, it's either going to go great, people are going to love it, or it's going to blow everything up. And this is actually a low heat issue from where we want to get. All right, so here we go. Old earth versus young earth. We got the young earth guys. Like, God's powerful. He can do whatever he wants, right? Young earth guys like, or the old earth guys like, so you're telling me that God is intentionally deceiving people? He's creating the world to look really old, and then he's uh, designing the world so that science develops and people can study the creation. He says, all the heavens declare the glory of God, but when they look really closely, he's actually made them think it's older. I think that you're saying God is deceptive. Oh man, I would never say that. We can't even trust scientists. There's so much money and agendas involved in all of it. Well, we can't trust the church either, right? Look at the scandals. And are you telling me that you still think the sun revolves around the earth? Oh, so you actually have a history of changing your theological view based on scientific advancement. Hmm, interesting. Well, I'm concerned that if you come to the conclusion that the earth is actually old, you're going to throw out all of the miracles. You're not even going to believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he rose again. I do believe that. I believe in those miracles. I affirm those miracles. Jesus was the son of God. He came in the flesh. He died. He rose again. Well, I was taught growing up that the earth is, is uh, young. I was taught the earth was old. Well, which is it? So... You mean to tell me that we both believe God is all-powerful, Jesus was a real person who's the son of God and died and rose from the dead. Yeah, I believe that. And we both care about sharing the good news with our friends and neighbors. Yep. Including our buddy Timmy, who doesn't even believe in a God, let alone Jesus Christ, the son of God. So maybe we can together pray for Timmy and invite him into this conversation and keep learning together. Did I convince you of my view? No. Did I convince you of mine? No. We had a great time, though. Let's get coffee on the calendar. Let's pray for our friend. And uh, let's, uh, let's put a, a, a hiking trip on the calendar. Are you interested in going on a hiking trip with me? 
Yeah, you mean that whether those 14,000 foot peaks are billions of years old or 6,000 years old, they still cause you to worship the creator and you would like to go hike them together? Yes. The mountains are calling. God is calling us to the mountains and we must go. Now we can agree on both of those things. Okay. These days, actually, old earth versus young earth, views on the end times, topics like these are actually low heat within the church compared to the polarizing times that we have in front of us. And by the way, it can be great to talk about these controversial issues that that the scriptures talk about and to to dive deeper in and, and to agree to the fundamentals, the the basics of the Christian faith, the person and work of Jesus Christ, and we can talk uh, all day about these things. But what we're going to tackle, we want to tackle topics like vaccines, things that uh, actually raise the heat in family dynamics, in friend groups, online. We want to talk immigration. We want to talk politics. We want to talk climate change. Things like this. So imagine the division that we have experienced recently, maybe are experiencing now. 20 years ago, you know, when 9-11 occurred, and right after that, that, that sense of national pride and unity around some things, even in 20 short years, we, I feel like we are so far from even that time So now imagine what um, polarization and division might look like in our country in one, two, three years. Just imagine that. And imagine the opportunity we have as a church, as tall grass at the well, to engage with that and be a unifying force for Christ. I know some like to think that, oh, yes, uh, COVID, maybe it's uniting us. No, that has become pretty clear. It's not these, these external threats, these, these so-called shared enemies are not causing unification of people. It's causing greater division. And technology is part of it. Listen to this. This is from, uh, from the, the website The Verge. This is from uh, 2020. And it's writing and reflecting on a Wall Street Journal article or report about Facebook. Oh, before we get to that quote. So there's this internal Facebook report presented to executives in 2018, found that the company was well aware that its product, specifically its recommendation engine. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? The thing when you say like, hey, I'm thinking about ice cream and you pull it up and it's showing you ice cream everywhere that this recommendation engine stoked divisiveness and polarization on its own and you get some other bad actors to meddle with it even more so, according to the new report from the Wall Street Journal. Yet despite warnings about the effect this could have on society and which we've seen have on society even uh, more so than when this report was uh, written, Facebook leadership ignored the findings, has largely tried to absolve itself of responsibility with regard to partisan divides and other forms of polarization it directly contributed to, the report states. And why would that be? It says, our algorithms exploit the human brain's attractiveness to to divisiveness. 
So they actually understand something about the fall of humanity and the nature of, of, of man is, is towards division, towards enmity with one another. So one slide from the presentation read, the group found that if this core element of its recommendation engine were left unchecked, it would continue to serve Facebook users more and more divisive content. Why? In an effort to gain user attention and increase time on the platform. Why would you want to do that? Money, right? So these are tools, man-made tools, in the hands of a very real spiritual enemy, moving us towards division. And again, all the way back, I mean, you can look back through history, through American history, through world history, all the way to when Jesus was walking this earth and division was there all along, all the way back through the scriptures, you know, the Israelites versus the Philistines, all the Girgashites and Jebusites, all the different all the way back to the fall, Adam and Eve at odds with God himself and then their family, the division between Cain and Abel. So this is nothing new, but it's at an accelerated rate. So when people are crying, peace, peace, there is no peace. Yeah, I don't think we can rely on the Facebook executives to fix the problem of division in the world. So two solutions that I see. One, Jesus comes back. That would be awesome. Come Lord Jesus. We, we want that to happen. And two, we learn to represent Jesus on earth here and now. So when Jesus does come back, and he will, we won't have to keep working on this thing. But in the meantime, we need to represent him well. So as we start this series, I invite you to stand up with me. So I'd literally stand, feel your feet firmly planted. So if you're into yoga, think root to rise. If you're a weightlifter, you know, three points of contact per foot. Feel yourself rooted. And we're going to memorize this verse together. Written by prophet Isaiah over 2,700 years ago. And I think we can memorize this pretty easily. Oh, here it is. The grass withers... The flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Okay, let's say that together. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And if you don't believe this, you don't have to say that. I'm not forcing you to, but we're going to introduce a few liturgical uh, things, just some things, some rhythms and routines to help root us in Christ as we go this fall. So let's just say this together one more time. Take a look. I'm going to take it off the screen. Isaiah 48. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let me pray for us. You can have a seat. Father, thanks so much for this morning. Thanks for what you're doing uh, at Tallgrass at the Well. We trust that you're, you're well at work in our two communities even more than we realize. Um, and you're at work in the hearts of many who are here who don't even know you yet, um, even more than we realize, that you're more interested in this stuff than we are. We pray that you would help us to root ourselves in Christ and from that rootedness in the person and finished work of Jesus, that we could bear fruit together in this world that would impact the division that people are experiencing. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay. We're going to get very practical very quickly, and we're going to fly through this because I'm trying to set the tone, set the pace for this whole fall to come. 
So I've, I've, I've taken these tips, tips for working across factions from the Kansas Leadership Center. And I've actually printed out several copies of these tips in case anyone wants to have one to, to keep with you. So you can really begin to think about how might you work across factions. A faction is just a different group. Uh, at times, I guarantee you, if you're married, at times, husband and wife are factions. <laughs> at, so factions can, can kind of change. If you don't agree on an issue or you need to make progress, but there's tension, that you're working across factions. And so in a divisive world, we want to think about how do we, as representatives of Christ, work across factions? So one, build trust. Focus on building trust first. Could be as simple as inviting someone to lunch or having coffee. Don't make it too complicated. A relational investment. This might be warming up cold relationships. So I know we got, you know, the um, Thanksgiving's coming. And some of us might be thinking, man, there's people in my family that I disagree with vehemently on certain issues. Well, how can you invest in that relationship now to begin building trust so when Thanksgiving dinner happens, there's rapport there. You've invested relationally. You're building bridges that can bear the weight of these difficult conversations. It's the same kind of ideas. Uh, relational rapport that can bear the weight of the gospel with someone who doesn't know Christ. So build trust. A lot of the last week's uh, sermon Josh gave on hospitality is related right here. Next, seek common ground. So identify overlapping interests and build off of them rather than focusing on disagreements. So, you know, in the LeBron-MJ um, debate, maybe you agree, okay, we love basketball, so we should watch basketball together. And upon that common ground, now we can have other conversations. Or the, the example of young earth, old earth, you know, we agree, we love hiking mountains, so we at least agree on that. So then let's begin to have hard conversations over that. Um, so yeah, seek common ground. These first two tips are the fun ones. Um, the rest get a little bit more difficult. But I wanted to share just briefly about a few relationships I have uh, where I've, I've begun to learn how to work across factions. I've shared this with the Tallgrass community. These are a couple friends of mine. So Bruce, John Alou, and Mike. And we have some shared uh, common interests, but our worldviews are completely different. Bruce moved into our neighborhood in 2016. He's a local Baha'i leader. Some of you may not know what Baha'i is. It's a world religion. Been around about 150 years. Uh, so we're, div we're completely divided in our fundamental understanding of religion or true religion or who Jesus truly is. But yet our kids are the same age. We both enjoy coffee and running. We enjoy working for good in our neighborhood. I met John Alou a similar time in, uh, during my sabbatical in 2016. Uh, she's, she was, she's retired now, the, the pastor of the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. Our, the underpinnings of our worldview, completely different. Our, our view of, of human sexual flourishing, completely different. Very different uh, from one another. Yet we, we get coffee we spend time together, we build rapport, we seek common ground upon which we can have more difficult conversations. And she's now retired, I miss her a ton. She's actually doing what Maris and I would love to do one day is just drive around in a, in a sprinter van and hike, hike together. So that's what she's up to. I hope to catch up with her one day. 
And then Mike, a good friend of mine who's a cultural anthropology professor at K-State. Some of you may have taken classes from him. Atheist, completely different worldview. But yet we're building trust with one another. We're seeking common ground upon which, once we establish some of that, we can have really rigorous conversation about the nature of, of reality, uh, why, why morality, all of these things. We can have those conversations because we've been doing the work with the first two here. So first, two, first two tips. Build trust, seek common ground. Let's keep going. Have a mindset that you might not be right. Now this one's harder. See, it's gonna get harder from here. Humility and teachability. So there's some things that you're talking confidently with across factions that you actually may not be right on. I've, I've actually switched, I've changed my theological view on some very key topics over the years. So just because, you know, you read the Bible, took a, a Bible class, 20 years old, not to, doesn't mean you know everything, right? Or you're 40 years old and read a few more books, doesn't mean you know everything. So have the mindset going into a conversation that you actually might have something to learn. In fact, I think it's true. We have something to learn from each person who's sitting in this room. And we need to take that posture, that mindset into conversation. Yes, okay, so speak to loss. Acknowledging the loss that the other faction might experience rather than sugarcoating the situation. So if you think about this, like, and we're gonna talk about COVID and the vaccination um, in, in the week to come. If someone just lost a family member to COVID, that's not the time to drive your point right into them, right? Speak to loss. Allow that loss to be there. Actually, that helps build trust. So just as one example, some people have more skin in the game on these topics than you do, right? And we need to acknowledge that. And they're, they're, they have a lot of emotion in these things. And that's okay because we're human and we need to experience our emotion. Next, Ask questions. Not loaded questions like, do you think we're all going to die if people don't get the vaccine? You know, I mean, like a really loaded question. But maybe a question like, well, what, what do you care about in this situation? What is your hesitation? You know, asking good questions. Not a question that you ask and you have your own answer ready for it to drill someone with, but you ask the question, wait, and let them engage. Basic stuff, but important. And then once you deeply understand, start with, they call it yesable propositions. I call this making base hits. Something that the other person, you're 99% sure of, they can agree to. So if we take the, the, the issue of abortion, that's, that'll raise the heat, that'll raise the heat high. That's raised right now in our culture, very high. But maybe we can all agree to support Life Choice Ministries who comes alongside women in crisis, with crisis pregnancies. It's not political organization. We can walk together for life. And then we can talk about life in the womb, outside of the womb, all the way up, and converse, converse about refugees, immig immigrants, and all of the above. Or on the issue of immigration, which we'll get to as well. We can talk politics all day long, or maybe we can begin with, hey, I hear they're bringing some Afghan refugees to Manhattan, Kansas. What would it look like for us to serve them? I think we're, we're gonna be able to do that together, no matter our competing views. 
Seven, only working hard to understand after that, begin to get feedback on your opinions. So you do the front end work, understanding them, and then you get feedback on your position, your view. So gather feedback. And then the final tip, don't see it as a zero-sum game. Your goal is not to crush the other faction so that they will go away. The goal is to make progress together on difficult issues and to continue to learn and grow together. So quickly, this is from the Kansas Leadership Center, and I think, I think this is great. I think that if we were to engage and become skilled at this, things would go really well out there in our relationships, and we'd, we'd cause a stir, tall grass at the well, about how we engage. A few more rules of engagement to represent Christ. So these are non-negotiables. If you're going to bear the name of Christ out there in the world, I follow Jesus, these are non-negotiables. Colossians 2 or 4. Prayer, continuing in prayer, being watchful in, with thanksgiving, walking in wisdom. By the way, you don't get wisdom by scrolling Facebook and all the news media outlets. You feed on the word of God and you're in your face before God seeking and asking him for wisdom who promises to give it without finding fault. You make the best use of time, stewardship of time, your speech should be gracious, seasoned with salt, whether that's written communication or verbal communication or even nonverbal communication, gracious interaction. That's the way of Jesus. So we may know how we ought to answer each person, not coming at everyone with our, our cut and paste argument, but every person is different. Everyone is uniquely created in the image of God and and. Is, is worth your time to ask God how to engage with them. Another non-negotiable, 1 Peter 3.15, in our hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy and be prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks uh, for a reason for the hope that's in you, but with gentleness and respect. So this isn't just, um, as we think about um, these issues, and by the way, the, Peter's writing to a people who were being persecuted. I mean, they were being slaughtered for their faith. And even still, with gentleness and respect, and do your homework, be prepared to show um, how this connects to the gospel. Last one on this uh, rules of engagement to represent Christ in a broken world. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, if, if I have prophetic powers, I understand all mysteries and I have all knowledge, even if you had all knowledge, which by the way, you don't. It's so funny. We have these controversial issues as if we're all experts, right? You guys know how that goes. Even if you had all the knowledge, which you don't, but even if you did, but have not love, you're nothing. So we got to choose relationships over rightness. We have to choose relationships over rightness. One of the best places to practice this is in groups. Groups are a great spot to practice this, this kind of stuff so that you can take the, you can be the image of Christ out there in a difficult world. So this, this fall, we're gonna be talking about radical Jesus. How did he engage he engaged, he, he was right in the middle of controversy. Think about his life, his engagement with the woman at the well, 
sticking himself in the middle of controversy between the Jews and the Samaritans with a woman caught in adultery right there in the middle of the debate surrounding sexuality with the tax collectors and fishermen engaging the Pharisees and Sadducees, which could represent one faction, the religious people, but even of themselves, they're two factions, and he engages both, engaging the Roman centurion, engaging blind beggars. So as we think about radical, and uh, my daughter Kate was pointing this out, that there's like these two definitions of radical. You can kind of read through these. I won't work through them all. We think of radical as like kind of a, uh, someone who's on the extremes, like they're a radical, they're an extremist, right? Or like they're a Jesus freak. Who, who, that song, anyone resonate? Okay. Some of you, you younger folks need to go check out Jesus Freak, it's awesome. So radical could be uh, viewed as these, the, the extremes, but yet the word itself has to do with going to the root, the fundamentals, the foundation. And I think both definitions fit when we think about radical Jesus because he himself was the root. He is the root of David. He's called the root of Jesse. He is the the root of life. If we want to ask the question of what does it mean to be truly human, let's go back to the root, the way of Christ. But if we live that way, it will seem radical. It will seem extreme in our culture in the right way. So we together want to follow the radical way of Christ. A couple references as you think about Jesus himself. Jesus, the root. In Isaiah 11, it says this, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And in that day, the day of Christ's return, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for all peoples, of him the nations will inquire, and his resting place will be glorious. So we together want to seek rootedness in the person and the finished work of radical Jesus, who is himself the root of life, so that we together can bear fruit that impacts our divided world for the common good. So we're going to uh, take the Lord's Supper together shortly. But before we do that, I want you to think about Christ on the cross. And think about we have this polarization and his, his arms are stretched wide, right? And he is, he is desiring to embrace people from across all of those factions and unite them in his shed blood. And throughout history, there's been attempts to grind out the root, You know, you cut off a tree and then you grind out the stump so that it never comes back. Think about Christ as a child when Herod sought to slaughter his entire generation. But yet the root remained. Think about Acts 8. The gospel message had went forward and there was a persecution that arose. Saul and those guys wanted to stamp it out. But yet the root continued to bear fruit to the point where we find ourselves here 2021, quoting, you know, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. We're united in Christ, which means we're also united to one another and the whole church that's come before us, that will come after us in all places, 
including the church in Afghanistan right now. Who knows what they're facing? We are united to them because of our unification with Christ. So I'm going to invite you all to stand once again. And I'll invite um, Dave can begin to make his way up here before we come to the Lord's Supper. One of the things we would like to do this fall is to root ourselves in the historic faith. It all centers around Jesus Christ, the, 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 the man who was born, who lived a life, 30, 33 years, who died a brutal death on your behalf, and who rose again and sits at the right hand of the Father and is, is inside those of us who follow him and who will come back one, one day to make all things new. So we're going to quote together, read together the Apostles' Creed. So this is a creed that goes uh, way back, third and fourth century, and it's been kind of tweaked here and there, but as people try to, uh, to attack the root in the historic person of Jesus, this is, this is a creed that has united, a, a statement of faith that has united um, uh, believers across the globe. So let's, let's uh, read this together before we take the Lord's Supper together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So I invite you, if you uh, follow Christ, you're invited to come down the middle aisle when you're ready. Um, we have a gluten-free option as well. And so there's uh, juice and bread, and this is just a, a reminder of the blood that Jesus shed on our behalf, his body broken on our, our behalf, and his call uh, to live our lives in response to the model that he set for us. So I will pray, pray for us, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper together. Father, thank you for the, the morning. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the, the truths that we just declared today. And that we can sink our identities deep into the root that is your son, Jesus Christ. And that you will help us together to bear fruit that will impact the world for good. We love you so much. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So I invite you to come uh, whenever you're ready. This teaching was recorded in partnership between Tallgrass Community Church and The Well. For more resources like this, visit tallgrass.church and thewellmhk.com.